In the name of our risen and living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, your brothers and sisters, today we focus on words of Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 12, for the basis of our sermon. There it is written, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. And we'll pick up on verse 12 in just a little bit. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the term brand attraction. It, it's, it's a little different, a little more intense than brand loyalty, and maybe some of us are afflicted with this. Uh, to understand a little better, you maybe recognize this logo, Under Armour. If you have brand attraction, Nike, Adidas, a New Balance, uh, any of the other sports where uh, just won't do, you have to have Under Armour. People, for example, who have brand attraction when it comes to laundry detergent find there's only one kind that will clean their clothes. When it comes to vehicles, while there's all kinds of different uh, brands out there, maybe people are, are brand people and so they can only go and afford a Chevy, a GMC, or a, or a Dodge. No other, no other brand will get them from point A to point B. And of course, if you live on the farm, it's got to be green, it's got to have a deer, otherwise it will not plow, it will not plant, it cannot combine, it cannot harvest. Today, as Peter talks to some leaders of the Jews in response to a miracle that the Lord has enabled him to do, Peter talks about brand attraction in a sense, but in a whole different, whole different way and on a subject, of course, that is much more impactful, much more important. It has eternal consequences. And he tells people there's no other name that gives such power, no other name that gives such life, and that's what we're going to think about today. You know that in the culture in which we live today, there's a lot of emphasis on political correctness, and there are certain things that you don't do and you don't say, uh, just because of that. For example, you wouldn't go to a Democratic convention wearing a mega hat or a mega t-shirt. You know what I mean? Make America great again, because it has certain connotations. Uh, I'm being told, Pastor, in some circles, you shouldn't even talk about uh, people being bald. You have to talk about being follicularly challenged. And you can't say that somebody's wrong. They're just differentially logical. And, of course, you know that there's all kinds of things. You get into the subject of marriage. What really is marriage? Or uh, you talk about climate change and so on. You, you, have to, you have to know where you're at and so on. Otherwise, you're going to be politically incorrect. Well, back in the days of Peter and John, after Pentecost, and, of course, actually, after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, there, there were all kinds of issues with political correctness. And Peter and John experienced those in the account that we're considering today. One day they had gone up to the temple to, to pray, and as they were going along, they met a beggar, and the beggar asked them for money, and Peter turned to the man and he said, silver and gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the man did. 
And, and he went into the temple with them. He was walking, he was jumping, he was praising. And of course, all kinds of people knew who this man was. And so uh, they noticed that something drastic had happened and they, they wondered how did this happen? And Peter pointed out that it was through faith in Jesus that this man was walking. Of course, there were the authorities there who were watching over the temple, the temple guard. And there were some other people, leaders of the people, and they noticed this, and, and they heard Peter and, and John talking about Jesus and his resurrection. And so being late in the day, they decided to throw them in jail, and then they would take them before you know, the courts, the Sanhedrin, the next day. So the next day came, and there Peter and John found themselves before the ruling council before Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection. And of course, they asked Peter and John to give an account of what had happened. And there, Peter, cutting to the chase, said, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. I think you understand there were all kinds of things that if we talked about political correctness that were just not right. He talks about how Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah promised in the Old Testament. That raised up red flags. Whom you crucified. You were the ones who killed him. But God raised him from the dead. Remember the Sadducees did not accept the resurrection of the dead. And it's by this man that you are, or you see that he is healed. Now, you just think back. It was not too many weeks before this. Peter is in the courtyard of the high priest. Remember three times he denies Jesus, the rooster crows early in the morning, and he goes out and he weeps. But then it's a, a few weeks later after Jesus has ascended into heaven. Remember he and the, the other disciples are in the city center of Jerusalem, and they're proclaiming the name of Jesus, whom the Jews crucified, but God raised from the dead. And here we have a similar thing, and you just have to ask yourself, what happened to this man? What happened to this man who was, who was, who was fearful and Together with the disciples, even on Easter evening, they're locked someplace in Jerusalem for fear of the Jews. And the same thing is true the next week when Thomas comes and joins with them. We're told in this account that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. But of course, it's in connection with that message of Christ crucified and Christ risen again. And it was by the power of the Holy Spirit that Peter could be as courageous and as capable as he was to say the things that he did and to tell the truth the way that he did, glorifying God, glorifying Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen Savior. No other name gives such power. And you and I have experienced that in our lives. Consider how we came into this world physically alive but spiritually dead. And what happened when, when either we heard the word of God as, as, as someone who could hear or read and, and, and comprehend, and the Holy Spirit through that word worked saving faith, or it was at a baptismal font where water was put on us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit connected us with Jesus and his crucifixion, his death, and with his resurrection again. And by the power of that name and the resurrection and the crucifixion of Jesus, we were brought to life and we were brought into the family of God and we were given the forgiveness of sins. We were saved. 
But at the same time, we were given the power to love God and to live for God by the power of his love that was put within us. And as a result, we experience peace and, and joy in our salvation. We experience purpose in life. We, we have power for living. And every day, it makes a difference in our lives. Let me ask you, to, to what do you pay more attention in your life is it your, for your failures in your walk with God or the times where you're successful? And isn't it true that what we focus on the most and most intensely is our failures? Because when we sin, our conscience bothers us. And, and we have to thank God for conscience because it brings us around. It awakens us to the sin in our lives. And, and, and it, it moves us to that sorrow as we think about, I've sinned against God, the God who loves me and who has made me and who has redeemed me and who has set me apart. And we realize what an offense it is. And, and so then knowing that gospel, the Holy Spirit turns us to Jesus. But do you ever stop and think about all the times where you say no to temptations and no to your sinful nature? There, if we had a one lost column, there would be a whole lot more wins than there are losses. Now, I'm not talking about perfection, but I'm talking about the things that we do just because we know God loves us and Jesus died for us and he rose again for us, and we know all the implications of that. Our sins are forgiven. We're at peace with God. We have eternal life. We have the resurrection of the body. And every day as we go through our lives, there are all these things that just come our way, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, working through that message of Christ crucified and risen again, that name of Jesus, that Spirit of God is just moving us to say, yes, 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 yes. And of course, then there are those times where we say, I'm not going to do that, or I'll never do that again, but what happens? Well, the sinful nature wins out. And those are the things at which we focus, but we don't focus on all these other things. And they're all reasons to say, thank you, Lord, for the power of the name of Jesus through which the Holy Spirit is working in my life. It's not reason to be self-righteous. It's not reason to be proud, but it's reason to be thankful. And that same Spirit working through that name of Jesus moves us so many times to do things that maybe we don't think that we can do, to, to be able to give encouragement to people who are seeking comfort, to uh, perhaps witness to somebody who doesn't know about Jesus, to confront a sister or brother who is caught in some sin and needs to be called to repentance. That same spirit working through that, that name of Jesus who was crucified and who was risen again gives us the power to step up and to speak out and to say those wonderful truths about God and his love, and to direct people to God, to direct people to Jesus. Remember, he's the cornerstone, sometimes called the capstone. Capstone was up at the top of an arch and kind of completed thing and, and brought integrity to the arch, or the cornerstone, the block from which everything goes out on a building. Either way, you can understand the importance of it. Jesus is that one who gives us such power for faith, for life, for God glorification. There's no other name that gives 
such power. All roads of religion, except for Christianity, lead people to hell. Because all roads of religion either say you don't have anything wrong with you, or there's something you can do to enhance yourself in the eyes of God, whoever God is. Uh, you can work your way into eternity. You can create your own eternity. And all of them are the devil's lies. The only way that we can be right with God, remember, God tells us in the book of Isaiah, there is, there is only one God. He says, I, I am the only God, and there is no other. And that's the God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I realize it's not politically correct today to say there is only one God because that puts you into the realm of intolerance. But here God is intolerant in the eyes of many people because he says, I am the only one. There is no other. And the only way that you can be saved is through faith in Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. In the Gospel of John, chapter 3, God so loved the world, and you know the rest of it, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then it goes on to say, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. It is only the Son of God who came to this world and took on human nature and took our place under God's law and fulfilled it for us. It's only the Son of God in the person of Jesus, God and man, who has the value, who had the holiness that it takes to be the Savior of the world, the Lamb without spot and blemish. It's only Jesus who could go to the cross of Calvary and there suffer the punishment that you and I deserve for our sins and remove the condemnation that God's law places upon us. It's only Jesus who died and then who rose again who brings us that peace, that forgiveness in the eyes of God and, and, and brings us innocence. It's only Jesus who gives the holiness that we need through baptism, through faith, so that we can stand before God today, right here and now, or on the last moment of our life, or when Jesus comes again in glory and be accepted into God's eternal glory. There is no other name. A number of years ago, one of the, uh, the young women who was attending Martin Luther College um, asked me if I would uh, um, provide some pre-marriage counseling for her and her fiancé. Uh, nice couple, the, the young woman had met this guy uh, when she had gone uh, to a, a concert and he was playing in a band, not one of the, the internationally known ones and probably not one of the big name bands, but one of the regional ones. And, and the guy was a nice guy and so on. They had become friends and developed a relationship and so on, and now they were talking about getting married. But when we came to the part where we, talk, we were talking about their spiritual life, he pointed out that he grew up in the Mormon faith. And uh, I, I asked her, I said, are you familiar with, you know, the, the Mormon faith? And she said, yeah. And uh, so we, we talked about things, and um, it was a couple times later when we got together, he came in and he brought the book that was written by Pastor Mark Harris, Speaking the Truth in Love. It was all about witnessing the Mormons. And, uh, and the young man said to me, he said, Pastor, um, 
He said, I, I found this book and I've read it. And he said, I'm wondering if I'm a good Mormon, am I going to heaven or am I going to hell? And uh, I asked him, I said, well, are you a good Mormon? And he said, well, I don't know. I'm not a real good practicing Mormon. But he said, I was brought up in all their teachings. And this is one of those where I'm thinking, oh, Lord, you know. So um, I thought about it for a moment. I said, well, I, I want you to know that God, God does love you. And Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came and, and he lived, he died, he rose again for you. And God wants you to be a part of his family and wants you to have eternal life. And through faith in Jesus as the very Son of God, and the Savior of the world, and only through faith in Him will you have eternal life. And I said, you know, Mormons don't believe in God like Father, Son, Holy Spirit the way, you know, the Bible pictures God, and they don't believe in Jesus the same way that, you know, the Gospels and Christianity uh, present Jesus. And I said, it's my hope and my prayer that you trust in Jesus as your Savior. But I said, if you're a good Mormon, you're going to hell. I never saw the young man again. I don't know whether he and the young woman got married. I hope not. Unless, unless through all the witnessing that she had done and we had done, this man had faith. We thank God for the fact that he's given us saving faith, don't we? The power of Jesus' name. We thank God for the life that that name gives to us, eternal life. But we have to remember there's all kinds of people out there who do not know that power and do not enjoy that life. And it's important that you and I remember that God gives us the privilege of sharing this message that people have shared with us so that they may know that name that makes such a difference in people's lives. I don't know whether that young man will be in heaven or hell. I, I guess the comfort that I have is that I got the opportunity to share the gospel message with him, and I hope that the Holy Spirit has worked saving faith in his heart. And that's all we can do, sisters and brothers in Christ. But that's what God wants us to do in our lives. When it comes to people who come to us and they're, they're wondering about, you know, why is it that we believe what we believe? Or they're looking for answers to, to, to situations that are so serious, so difficult, and they're just bigger than they are. What a wonderful opportunity for us in our own simple way to tell them about that, that name of Jesus and to point there's no other name that gives such power for life. There's no other name that gives such life that has no end. Therefore, let's tell people. Let's share the fact that there is no other name and the peace of God that passes understanding will keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Jesus to life everlasting.